0: This is Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection, the podcast that talks direct with retailers about all things loss prevention. With your host, Nicole Smith. Did you know that the Profit Protection Future Forum is the only not-for-profit industry body promoting the interests of retail loss prevention professionals in Australia and New Zealand? Hi there and welcome to the show. Today
1: I'm joined by PPFF committee members, Mark Boyd, Head of Profit Protection uh, Asia Pacific at JD Sports, Josh Gatt, Group Risk Manager at Forever New, and Neil Redfern, Director of Redfern Retail Risk. Welcome to the podcast, guys, and thanks for joining me today.
2: Thanks, Thanks Nicole. Good to be Um, here.
1: I don't know about you guys, but going in and out of lockdowns is hard work, both mentally and physically. And as of right now, we have Canberra just extended into a two-week lockdown, Darwin and Catherine in a three-day snap lockdown, Melbourne extended another two weeks with a 9pm curfew, and the whole of New South Wales currently in week seven of lockdown. So we've got more than half of the country's population lockdown and all non-essential retail is closed. Considering roughly one in 10 people are employed in retail, these lockdowns affect a lot of people. Neil, the the coronavirus decision-making is changing daily. And uh, the messages that we get from governments are inconsistent around the country. Some, What some people think is uh, essential retail is not deemed essential retail in other uh, states or territories. What sort of pressure does this put on loss prevention teams when a snap lockdown is announced?
3: Yeah, thanks, Nicole. I think you summarise that very well, um, just by running through the variances between the states uh, across Australia. Uh, the retailers um, have an enormous challenge on their hands, particularly the ones that trade nationally uh, and looking just across uh, the breadth of Australia and the various states and uh, territories that we have, the variations uh, in each of the state restrictions or territory restrictions uh, can be very confusing for for the retailers and represent a significant challenge, not only to the um, the national functions, but also the, the state uh, functions as well. So it's quite amazing the amount of work uh, that is going into operating a retail business at the moment as it relates to just uh, making decisions around the ability to trade, whether your operation needs to be uh, shut down and click and collect only or whether you're uh, predominantly trading online, uh, it's a significant challenge. And uh, what we've been seeing across last several months and even the last several weeks is just that ongoing review state by state of all the different restrictions uh, and rules and governance around how we operate and trade is putting enormous pressure on the retail industry uh, holistically across uh, Australia. And uh, can I say... um, overall, it's just amazing how retail is actually responding. Um, the amount of headwinds, the amount of pressure, absolutely amazing, but um, all good intentions. Um, I think the retailers are doing an amazing job um, servicing not only um, Australian uh, consumers, but also, you know, in our critical areas like food supply, etc. I think uh, they can only be commended about the efforts that they're going to.
1: Absolutely. 100% agree. Josh, does it Does it get any easier? I mean, particularly seen as this is lockdown six for Melbourne, from a retail perspective, you've done this before over the last 18 months. Does it get any easier?
2: I think so. I think (laughs) it's easier because we're accustomed to it. Um, And I know there's discussions about the the pressure on on loss prevention, but I must say we've been pretty passive and there's a lot of the pressures on our friends in the retail operations um stream Uh and and my observations um yeah they've they've definitely learned to deal with it really well um as soon as an announcement comes out they're they're um they're straight into the process um so i think i think generally generally speaking the public um and retailers in general have become accustomed to in and out is it good obviously not um is it any easier? I think, it's, I think it's easier managing the process. What becomes difficult now is, is managing expectation and, and what's ahead um, at the moment with the two biggest um, markets within Australia lockdown. Um, there's a fair bit of uncertainty. So I guess trying to keep everyone's spirits up, that's, that's the difficult part now, not so much the, the in and the out and the, the process element.
1: So how do you keep the spirits up? Because it's tough, like, and I think, um, once again, for, you know, uh, I'm based in Melbourne, so it's hard. You get to lockdown six and you're like, oh, this is exhausting. This is just mentally exhausting. How do you guys do it? How do you keep your spirits up? And, and for your team as well?
2: Yeah. I, all you can do is be positive, really. Um, I mean, that varies. I mean, one thing I had a discussion last week um, with Mr. Gentle, uh, and made the point that one thing that's that's helped uh, the Forever New Retail REST team in particular is the, a big project we've got on with RFID implementation globally. Yep. Um, so that means we've got to focus on the future and what's ahead, and we're all working on something that's exciting and new. Um, it may be a little bit more difficult if we didn't have that and we were just stuck in the The business as usual rut, and that may be a little bit more difficult. So, if you've got a big project to work on, that helps.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't know if everyone does have that type of project, which can sort of get everyone excited and and happy, and sort of take away from the doom and gloom that we're we're currently living in. Because it's hard to get sucked into that vortex.
2: Yeah, no, that's understandable.
1: Um, Josh, uh, sorry, Mark. Um. I'm guessing that 18 months into this pandemic, retailers would have some sort of a checklist uh, to make sure that nothing is missed when suddenly a government says, right, in four hours' time, we're going into lockdown. Um, is that how is that how it works for you guys? Yeah, pretty much. Um,
4: you know, as, as the guys have already sort of said, um, they're pretty used to it now in Victoria and we've learned a lot from... Uh, from the Victorian lockdowns, which is where we sort of honed most of it. And obviously, you know, the advantages of being a sort of global business such as ours, we learned a lot from the UK lockdowns as well. So we're able to share from from them their best practices and some of the checklists and some of the sort of safety stuff that they did. And then we obviously localised that here in line with, um, you know, government directions and, you know, statewide directions and it sort of implemented that really, which then rolled out across the whole region. So we were quite lucky in that respect that um, we learned from, you know, uh, overseas lockdowns um, on, on how to sort of put the checklists and stuff together. So yeah, as, you know, Josh has said, it's pretty, pretty well rehearsed now. Um, as soon as something's announced, you, you you sort of implement it straight away. And and the teams now certainly are um, adept at putting that all in. And I think you know, Josh is right, you've got to be positive And, you know, what we're talking about now is the way out of lockdown and, and our lockdown opening and how we set the stores up ready to open should they open. And that's the sort of thing we're focusing on at the minute as well.
1: Neil, we're seeing a lot of uh, states and, uh, and uh, territories with Canberra being extended, their lockdowns being extended. Um, what tasks need to be taken into consideration for loss prevention when these types of things happen?
3: Yeah, thanks, Nicole. Um, look, it, it really does vary um, across the nation, as I indicated. Every every state and territory has um, different. Um, considerations that need to be put into play and depending on what actually uh, physically transpires in regards to the retailer and its trading position um, obviously varies across um, retail so there'll be environments that are fully closed there'll be environments that are moving to a more of a click and collect or a curbside pickup scenario um, within car park environments etc cetera. Um, full to, uh, sorry, um, through to full online um, scenarios. So it's very um, challenging from a retail uh, loss prevention point of view, and the teams out there are having to really uh, change and adapt, and even in some cases, uh, support the businesses to do roles that they Normally wouldn't do, just in relation to providing you know the retailer the support that they require to get through the period, but it is different uh, from what I've been observing. Uh, crime uh, has certainly changed and evolved um, while we're seeing uh, reductions in bricks and mortar. Uh, theft related losses depending on the retailer that you're exposed to. Um, There are other areas like online that are uh, increasing in activity as um, uh, more crime moves to that online environment where there's accessibility and not only accessibility locally but also internationally Um, because we are in a global pandemic and everybody's hurting broadly you know across the world not only just in Australia. So um, we are seeing um, different forms and variations of frauds coming from other countries. And uh, as a retailer, this whole risk landscape uh, is ever-evolving and we, we need to um, really keep an eye very closely on every part of the business and what's happening from a loss prevention point of view. So there really just is no status quo at the moment.
1: Josh, you mentioned before that probably um, the retail operations is is heavily impacted by lockdowns. How, in, in your... Um, in your opinion, how does loss prevention work with retail ops to try and, you know, help them get through this period?
2: Oh, Nicole, I think we're really just there as a support. How can we help? How can we support? We, as I mentioned earlier, we're quite passive in that regard. Um, obviously, we'll take a look over the, the checklists and all those sorts of things that that are approved and just add some value where we can. Um, yeah, I'd probably have to agree with Neil uh, in the sense that, a lot of the fraud shifts. Um, I know we've seen a lot of fraud take place online. Nicole, I don't know if we've already had a podcast on triangular fraud or if we've got one coming up.
1: Got one coming up.
2: Come on, there, there you go. There's a bit of a plug for an upcoming <laughs> podcast. Um, that has that's taken off. That's yeah. You know, that's that's kept you know, speaking about the revenue team specifically. That's kept them very busy. Um, and that's a. We can see the breadth of the impact that's having on Australian retailers, whether they know about it or not.
1: Can you, um, before you go on, can you just explain briefly what triangular fraud is, please?
2: Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> so a, a seller being the fraudster will set up an account on a selling platform. I won't give an example. Um, they will list product for sale and, um, and when a buyer through that selling platform places an order with the fraudster, um, the fraudster obviously pockets the cash um, and then the fraudster will place the order with a retailer's actual website
5: mm-hmm.
2: and the, the retailer and their um, fulfillment chain will, will send the order off to the buyer of the selling platform. So what happens is when the cardholder, who is um, separate of this, realises fraud has taken place on their card, they raise the charge back. The retailer loses the funds. They've already shipped the order. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the seller on the selling platform, who is the fraudster, gets their cash. The buyer on the selling platform gets their the product they've ordered Mm -hmm. but the the retailer is the one who takes a hit
1: so obviously you're seeing more and more of this i don't know mark neil are you seeing seeing this is this common practice was this happening pre-covid
2: it would have been happening um i mean i can only speak to to what we're seeing um you know we've got a guy on our team who's (laughs) really being a nuisance for one set of fraudsters um, and he, he's, he's uncovered this across numerous Australian retailers.
1: Mark, are it's, you... a,
2: it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem that if you look at it so far, it well exceeds a million dollars just with this one group.
1: Wow. Mark, are you saying the same thing?
4: um not at the moment I'm not saying it's not happening it may well be but um talking to my multi-channel profit protection colleagues in the UK they're, they they are aware of it and they do look out for it and yes yeah it does happen uh, certainly in Europe as well it's very big across across Europe and the UK um but our Australian website as far as I know fingers crossed um hasn't had anything as far as I, as far as I know
1: what about you, Neil? You're, uh, you're a committee member on the Australian Online Fraud Forum. Is there much talk going on about this?
3: It's certainly a topic that's not, I wouldn't say it's new. Um, it, it's certainly an offence methodology that's that's been out there and, and one that I've been um, uh, conscious of uh, for a period of time. But I think it's if, if I just look at this example, what Josh is talking about, I think it's it's like anything. When there's a particular focus in an area, and you you become more heavily involved um, in online fraud management, and you just start looking at numerous ways that offenders are attacking your business, and and COVID has really brought this out. There's a lot more resource in the online fraud space now. We're looking across. Um, different attack vectors that are influencing organisations. Um, there's a lot of um, industry forums and understanding. I think people are just becoming a lot more educated and there's obviously a lot of government support out there in relation to all of the various education features, you know, uh, pieces such as Scamwatch and, and other government resources that are out there as well. So, yes, um, it, it's, it's, it is a fraud that exists and it has been out there for a while, but yes, we we appear to uh, seem to have a a decent amount of volume um, that is being observed um, at the moment. So it is definitely one um, that uh, retailers should be aware of because um, it, it can negatively. And I think <laughs> I think Josh did a good job explaining it in 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 basic terms. Uh, I remember when I first came across it, it, took me a few goes to actually understand how it was all coming together. Um, it's it's not your easiest straightforward. Um, Um, attack that's that's out there there's a few there's a few parties involved hence uh hence it's called triangle Uh, so um yeah so it is definitely one um to watch and um and it can actually be quite uh not only the fraud loss there's actually some reputational issues there for the retailer as well because when the um the the purchaser or the, the the victim um or I shouldn't say the non-victim, the person who placed the order on the, the site, um, the seller's site, they're, they're receiving parcels from retailers. And sometimes those parcels are branded uh, from the various retailers that the fraudster bought them off. Um, and then that can lead to other issues around... Warranty, refunds, all sorts of others. So, some retailers can actually be impacted by that, uh, not only from a chargeback point of view, but then an ongoing point of view around if there's a problem with the product and they think that it came from some other legitimate refund, sorry, retailer, they'll, you know, chances are they can walk that product straight back into the store and request support with whatever they've
4: bought.
1: That is, yeah, that that becomes a very complex matter. Then it's not just about fraud, because that reputation piece is huge. Do Absolutely. Josh, in your experience, do the I don't, are they called the victims, the people that are buying from the fraudster's platform? Do they do they understand that it's not the retailer where this is happening? Do they understand that they're part of a uh, something bigger?
2: Uh, I don't think they would online. understand. I don't think they would understand what has happened. Um, uh, there's been there's been confusion where they're purchasing through an alternative platform, but they're receiving a branded package with all the bells and whistles
5: mm-hmm.
2: from that retailer. Like, oh, that's that's weird. <laughs> I didn't I didn't buy it from that retailer, but it's it's coming in the box. It's coming in the the, the satchel. Um, So, yeah, and really they're they're not the victim. Um, The other thing you should point out, this particular um, fraud group are are selling items at anywhere from a third to half of the retail price. Um, So the actual buyer is most of the time getting a pretty good deal. Um, Yeah, it's the retailer who ends up the victim. If the cardholder doesn't identify the, the fraud that has occurred on their card, well, then they they become the victim. There'll be a, um, there's a good, there's a good diagram actually that we should post um, uh-huh. before we have the triangular fraud podcast, um, just so people can get their, their head around how that works. It's actually quite smart. I think it's quite smart. Sometimes you know, in loss prevention, you have to sit back and, almost give a bit of a golf clap for some of the, <laughs> the things that people come up with because yeah. you know, these people have, and, and this particular group is really quite organised um, in, in the way they operate and, and what's been identified so far. Um, so it's, it's, quite, it's quite a smart way to operate as a fraudster.
1: Are they just hitting the Australian retailers or are they? is it a global? I,
3: I doubt it's just Australia. Okay. And that's the thing with these sorts of attacks is that the the ability to impact retailers across the world that there's it's almost like there's no limits anymore, you know. If you look back on the old loss prevention days where we looked after our bricks and mortar store and we controlled what happened locally, now we're having to consider attacks from all over the planet, Um, not only, you know, in our local jurisdictions but international. The ability to attack a retailer from um, international soils is is just so enabled these days um, as a result of technology, hence why any loss prevention professional really needs to be considering you know, every element um, of strategy that exists out there um, and and not just be blind to looking after your own four walls and just looking about what's happening locally. You know, you need to consider that the offenders harming your business could be coming from anywhere. So the true professionals in this space are very eyes wide open to the bigger picture and how it can affect not only the, the brand's finances, but also reputationally uh, what's out there that is considered a threat to
1: them. Yeah absolutely so we're in lockdown guys we've uh, there's obviously for non-essential um, there's a shift you know we talked about online fraud and that's obviously something that loss prevention is uh, all over what what are the other areas that you have to look at in the business whilst you're in lockdown? Uh,
4: yeah look, um, for us it was getting cash out the stores mm-hmm. um, when, when these lockdowns sort of happened certainly some of some of the snap ones where we didn't get much notice so we had to organize um you know cash in transit companies or even the store managers to drop the whatever was in the safe into the bank just to bank that extra extra cash um was one of the sort of challenges we had um others are um you know deliveries you know from the dc as well um and also a lot of our our business runs on direct deliveries as well directly from brands um that, that don't go via the dc so um it's just sort of you know and, and as josh has said the, the the pressure sits on retail really and and the dc then shifts towards them in terms of how we manage that how do we cut off deliveries and you know how do we get the stock in um and stuff like that and one thing as well is with lockdown at the minute you're stuck with a lot of unseasonal stock as you move into the summer. So now the question is, what do we do with it and how do we get it back from these stores into the DC to sell a, potentially at a discount online? So you're then going to sort of where you've got full price winter stock sat in a shop now for months or weeks in lockdown. You've got to get that out. Of the, how are you going to get that out of there in back to the DC to sell online? at a dis, And you've got to discount it now. So you're, you're taking a hit on margin. Mm so that's the sort of issues now we're sort of facing we're sort of facing in terms of you know how how do how do we do that logistically and if you're you know in, in uh, within a you can't leave your house within 5k's certainly up in new south wales in a minute and you know we've got to rely on people that live within those areas to get in there and and do that for us as well so there's just a few of the challenges at the moment
1: neil what about um do, do you start to see an increase in internal theft with stores that have click and collect and they've got a, a skeleton staff on crew um, or guards, you know, is there, do you start to see potential issues with guards for those stores that do have click and collect now that you're in lockdown?
3: Look, if you look across retail in, in totality, I think the risk realistically is there just as much as it is um, in normal trading periods from the internal point of view. There could be arguments that there's um, less staff in these stores, there's less supervision. There could be arguments for that in some retailers. But on the other hand, um, there's just as many arguments around that, you know, it's a very you know, controlled environment staff are all coming through. You know, one 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 door. Uh-huh. Um, they're, they're, it's a it's a smaller net of people working together. Um, you know, moving stock around or, or or stealing stock. You know, could could be more obvious in those sorts of environments. So, no, I, I guess I haven't really seen um, through the retailers that I interact with. You know, this massive ramp in relation to online. Uh, sorry, internal uh theft and fraud but it's something that I, I wouldn't definitely be ignoring um, mm-hmm. that you know when you look across the world at the moment and you look across the pressure of, know um, social situations and financial situations there is definitely motivations out there that could lead to that behavior um so you know but i i would regardless at the moment whether we're you know fully trading partially trading only trading online i would not i would not be treating it any differently i'd be be keeping an eye on just about everything for any trading environment because the potential is always there um, right. for um, for losses or significant losses in those periods.
4: Just on, just on that internal there, um, just reminding me, talking to my person in Malaysia yesterday and telling me there was a time fraud manager at... Uh, unfortunately do, is in doing click and collect or personal shopping I think they were doing there at the moment it wasn't click and collect personal shopping where the customer rings on the WhatsApp app I don't know if you guys have got that hero I think we've got here and they show the customer the product pick it it's paid for and they collect it and uh, anyway it was committed the manager had committed time fraud in, in the store so uh, that was one one that I know of from an internal perspective across the lockdown over there
1: Yeah, I I thought it might have been something that you'd have to really start to look at and uh, I guess focus on if you take away the online fraud stuff because some loss prevention departments don't engage in that that area of the business at all. Others do obviously. So um, in that bricks and mortar space, what suddenly you're not trading, you don't need necessarily – well, you don't obviously have coverts in the store. You don't have as many security guards. What you know? What other things do you have to look for? What are you, What are you getting your loss prevention teams out and about doing whilst the the store is closed?
4: Well, it's just quite a lot. You know, we, you know, we have remote access to everything. So, um, you know, well, I've got people, even though they're at home, they can access remotely CCTV systems in all of the stores. So, you know, they can remote access into that. Um, mm-hmm. we have remote access to the alarms or we got you know alarm daily alarm reports so we know who's gone in and out at what time we know how long the door's been open we know you know all of these different things that, that are around by the, with the intruder alarm and then they can cross-reference that to anything suspicious cross-reference that to the CCTV so i think they, you know we've got a few tools there in terms of um, how we monitor how we monitor stores or how we monitor, um, you know, people going in. And we always have two people in, obviously, um, as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're just a couple of things that we've been doing um, recently. Mm. Okay. I think too, Nicole,
3: you know, when you look at these level of restrictions that we're going through and you look at internal issues in particular, there's, there's also a lot of other things playing into our um, favour, you know, whether it's visitor management, contractor management, there's a lot more discipline around external people coming in and interacting with your business Mm
5: -hmm. um,
3: and a lot more governance around who they are, where they're from, why they're there, Um, just that challenge culture, I guess, is probably the the way to look at it. Um, So, again, um, yeah, similar to what we see in the external theft realm where, you know, um, external theft is been problematic because of the increased supervision across stores and controlled egress and all of that sort of stuff going on, just um, the environments are not as conducive um, to a lack of supervision and, and running amok, so to speak, um, in an unsupervised way. So, yeah, it's there's arguments in both directions for, you know, what we're experiencing at the moment, but if you're just looking purely from a crime prevention space, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things not in the offender's favour at the moment.
1: Okay. Josh, as much as the states and territories sometimes don't give us a lot of time to prepare for a lockdown, the decision to open up can also be last minute. So what happens when you're given less than 24 hours to reopen your store across, you know, multiple states or even across a state or multiple states?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, look from a loss prevention point of view. Um, Neil mentioned earlier it depends on how each business is structured. I mm-hmm. mean, I can only speak to to our business, and um, I guess most um, loss prevention managers or retail risk managers will tell you they run lean. Um, I think we definitely do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we've got a, a couple of guys out in the field and we're a global business. So um, although we're in lockdown now in in um, New South Wales and Victoria, we're still BAU in, um, I guess, the rest of the country, New Zealand, Canada, um, UK, um, and that all falls under management here. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a loss prevention point of view, we're kept quite busy in terms of opening up You know, I probably have to revert back to my previous comments that uh, for us, a lot of it falls to retail operations and how we can support there. Yep. Um, yeah, I I believe the trick might be just making sure you've got resources to trade stores. Um, yeah, that's. Because so that's, that's, that's that's the, the
1: hard thing heart. because at the moment you go, okay, we don't need to roster as many people on, whether it be in the store, whether it be your coverts, whether it be um, uniform security. And then all of a sudden we get an announcement that, oh, by the way, tomorrow retail can open back up. You know, you've got to move pretty quickly to get everyone back on board and making sure that they're focused and ready to go. So, Mark, have you had any, you know, has that been a challenge for you?
4: yeah it has done in previous lockdowns yeah getting people back you know they get quite comfortable some people stay at home and and you know there's lots of support payments and stuff like that for people people to to you know to to use and then getting them back after that can be a bit of a challenge um but you know most of our managers have been in and out of the stores for various different reasons in the last few weeks anyway um, so yeah, I mean, you get, yeah, it, it is a challenge. Um, and also, you know, you're, you're coming back to, of a period of closure where you've not been taking any, any sales. Um, and you're clearly not going to put a full of staff in because, uh, costs involved in that. So you're open with a skeleton, a skeleton crew, so to speak. Um, and from what we've seen we, that's when we get, you know, shoplifting increases and we got caught out of that last time. Um when we reopened in Victoria, we got smashed in a few stores straight away. Um after that.
1: I don't think people thought that, you know, we would reopen and I don't think people thought that people would actually go out to the shops. Whereas I know my local um center is Chadston and it was jam-packed, like literally the day they reopened the doors, the centre was jam-packed full of people. And even I've been um, prior, I don't, I don't even know what lockdown we're in now, five, in between five and six when we had an eight-day break, uh, I'd been in High Point and uh, Chadstone. Like it was busy in those centres.
4: Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I, and I, I think the same will happen up here in New South Wales. People that uh, want to get out uh you've seen that in the uk haven't you? you've seen it in Europe now where um people have been sat in for so long that the novelty of online has worn off and they want to go and interact with people they wanna to speak to they want to see their friends they want to, they want to go to the cinema they wanna they wanna to touch feel and, and and see product they want to try it on they want to do all these different things um one of these different all these different things and you know the thrill of finding a bargain you know in Iraq i think is 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 better is bricks and mortars took a massive you know upswing in in terms of that there so i think we saw the same certainly we did in in victoria when it reopened and and unfortunately that brought out a few um people with pent up frustration or pent up demand for for product and um you know having a having less people in the store than you want to it, it did it did catch us out in a couple of stores so one of the learnings we've done is obviously you know but then it's trying to book a security guard for when you don't know when you're going to reopen. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, pretty, cha- it's pretty challenging in terms of we, can, we want to book here, we just don't know when we're going to open. So can you just have people standing by? And, of course, everyone wants them. Um, so even then, then they start having a shortage of people as well. So it's a, it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Really?
1: So do you think you've learnt the lesson from Victoria's long lockdown that whenever Sydney reopens or New South Wales reopens that – the staffing levels will be at where they need to be, and uh, rather than, than go in with a skeleton crew, thinking that no one's going to turn up to the store.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we we yeah, we certainly did. Um, so I think some discussion with our retail teams is uh, as many will be all hands on deck as soon as um, as soon as we get get to open. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, guys, sadly, it looks like our mates in the Northern hemisphere might, uh, go back into lockdown. So do you have any tips and tricks for other loss prevention professionals around the world that, you know, as they go into a Northern hemisphere winter, they may um, be in the same situation that we're in now. So I'll start with you, Neil. Yeah.
3: Thanks, Nicole. Um, I think Josh, um, indicated that um, for those who have been in this space for a while it's fairly repetitive at the moment in relation to you know the rollout of policies and procedures, etc. I think we've got a checklist and a checklist and a checklist for everything, mm-hmm. and then another checklist for that checklist. Um, so there's there's a lot of discipline out there at the moment in relation to um, business obligations in relation to COVID compliance, and I think that it broadly everyone's you know really doing that well now, and it's yep. it's a it's a very um, tested path. For me. Um, you know, we obviously being in loss prevention, there's, you know, we, we we talk about this and from a retail risk point of view, we even obviously talk much broader in relation to financial harm um, for retailers and organisations. And I really, um, you know, Mark Mark had a very relevant point in relation to merchandise and um uh, seasonality of of product um that that is that is definitely a challenge for every retailer not only apparel retailers but also food industry retailers etc and um, you know um wastage of stock or marking down of stock um erosion of profitability you know a lot of money being spent on moving stock around um Is going to be a significant financial challenge for all retailers around the world as they come in and out of lockdown, miss sales opportunities, try to recover sales opportunities, um, have delays in their supply chains, in their productions, try to forecast ahead. Um, There's a lot of challenges in that space. So my, my advice to any retailers is that you know, don't don't underestimate that element of the business and that is a part of the business that you really need to get right because financially um, that could far overwhelm anything to do with, you know, criminality that your business is seeing at the moment. Um, you, you're really talking about volumes um, and the callback core business backbone of, of what every retailer across the world does. So um, inventory management is absolutely key at the moment
1: in absolutely. getting right. Yep, 100% agree. Josh, any tips and tricks from you?
2: No, I I, I think what Neil just said is spot on. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll come to probably with my one um, tip, um, but, you know, <sighs> one of the um things that happened in the last lockdown is I, I had the opportunity to um to pick up responsibility of our international third-party logistics partnerships uh-huh. um, and, it, and what neil was just talking to is spot on um, where you're moving you're moving product into markets to ultimately sell it um, through any one of your retail streams but um, you can't trade it and it gets stuck, um, and the amount of costs that, that comes with that is is massive. I remember saying to someone towards the end of last year, you, know, you should be buying shares of catch and that buying shares with catch of the day or TK Maxx or any one of those businesses that um, that can snap up um, obsolete stock or aged inventory mm-hmm. and sell it through their platforms. Because yeah, I think Neil's just nailed a, a massive problem there that doesn't directly sit within the loss prevention remit um but something to be to be mindful of um yeah m- my tip nicole is, is probably not skill related is, is just keep a positive mindset and focus on what you can control um yeah there's so many things that that are changing daily um and for the most part us as individuals or even organizations we, we can't do anything about it so focus your energy focus your time on the elements you can control um, if you can't control it and you can influence something um, go down that path um, otherwise just keep positive and, and moving forward there's there's not much else you can do and it's it's far too easy to get stuck in a rut
1: I yeah think. absolutely Mark what's your tip tip or trick uh, no, I thought, no the, the guys have put it
4: Spot on, um, you know, inventory issues, um, distribution, I think, is a key thing. Seeing a lot of that, if you read the news in the UK, where shortages are here, there and everywhere, because there's not enough lorry drivers to drive things around and stuff like that. So I think um, I think they're, the, they're the key things. And again, engaging with your team as well, I guess, um, as well, making sure your team are... Uh, um, engaged and you're talking to them daily weekly and, and you're doing sort of trying to do some fun things with those guys even if it's on on zoom i think that's the thing keep your morale up positivity as josh has josh has said a few times so i think i think that's uh would be my tips
1: yeah great advice guys thank you so we have reached the final countdown the last three questions i will start with you josh what were the positives that came out of 2020 lockdown 2020 for you Hang on, lockdown twenty 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 one for you. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone through six with me, so. <laughs> um,
2: so, in a professional sense, yeah, I mentioned earlier, we had our RFID implementation signed off, so that's well and truly underway, and that that's some some massive changes for, for the business, um, and particularly mm-hmm. the the loss prevention team and how they operate um, with doing away with stock takes is. Unbelievable! I think that's what the team is so excited about. That's the that's the excitement factor for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And on a personal note, uh, my partner and I welcomed uh, our first little child into the world. Little Willow. Yeah, fantastic. So that's that's
1: that's a very that's a big positive for you. Yeah,
2: I've learned that I'm I'm not as patient as I thought I was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you sleep deprived?
2: No, no, I'm getting plenty of sleep. I'm just. Yeah, I've just realised I'm I'm not as patient as I thought I was. <laughs> my, my partner's doing an outstanding job.
1: <laughs> Mark, what were the positives that have come out of uh, lockdowns for you? Uh, oh, your your um, whole you're homeschooling, aren't you? I can't be positive. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> I, I, I think they're teaching me stuff, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm learning all sorts of stuff through homeschooling. I've got to say, I, I did actually yesterday. Uh, did some craft with my my seven-year-old son and, and made a wind a paper windmill uh that was that was quite Cute. good um uh, but I, I have bought a drone actually um and i i've been <laughs> i've been flying <laughs> i started flying it back garden and to to, to do that so I, i've sort of got into that at the moment in terms of um flying that around so i'm gonna i'm gonna sort of just do a bit of sort of drone photography type flying thing oh that's cool yeah it is quite cool actually but um, <laughs> there you go that, that was one of the one of the, <laughs> my highlights oh my and my daughter broke a collarbone on friday the 13th so um, oh. that was, that was another <laughs> it, highlight that will forever stick in our, is our it, memories is
1: that a highlight or a low light for her yeah, it's a bit of a low light yeah <laughs>
4: <isn't that? laughs> light of it, but anyway you'll you never go.
1: forget it though <laughs> no no well that's
4: that's <laughs> the thing no every friday the 13th now that'll be uh celebrated i think
1: <laughs> and neil what are some of the uh highlights that have come out for you for from lockdown twenty 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 one? 2021
3: yeah, it's, um, it's certainly been a challenge, but at the same time, it's been um, quite inspiring and interesting at the same time. Never in the history of uh, my work experience have we had a need to interact with so many different internal business functions and build relationships between those business functions. I, I think um, retailers yeah, are really at the pointy end of the operations, Um you know, there is so much diligence going on at the moment across all types of retail um, settings, um, where there, you know, the amount of discipline that is out there at the moment to get things right is um, extremely high Uh, and the retailers have got to be commended on what they're doing across every every sector of retail in relation to how they're continuing um, to service the customer and look at new innovative ways to to service the customer and and drive their brands. It's really shown us how agile retail can be. I'm so proud of all the people that I work with and how they've been able to adapt to different situations, continue to do their roles, whether it be from, you know, their lounge rooms or, um, you know, in, in in various restricted states um, is, is just amazing how we've just continued to go forward. Um, so it's a massive congratulations out there to everybody who's, you know, doing it tough in the retail industry or doing very well in the retail industry at the moment, because there is, you know, two. Different sides of the fence at the moment, depending which retailer you work in. But um, overall, um, you know, particularly what I see in Australia, um, you you couldn't be prouder of what everybody's doing in relation to getting on with and and running their businesses in very difficult circumstances.
1: I 100% agree with you. But also, I was hoping that you were going to say one of the positives was your gorgeous new puppy dog.
3: Oh, Are yes, I, had a, I have a new child as well, similar <laughs> to Josh. <laughs> so, yes, Charlie uh, was welcomed into the family about six months ago. As a <laughs> nice uh, cavoodle for people who into dogs. They'll know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking
1: about. <laughs> hey, Josh, what new talent did you acquire during lockdown 2020 and
2: 2021? Yeah. Um,
1: apart from fatherhood.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier, I was given the opportunity um, to pick up the responsibility for our international third-party logistics contracts and partnerships. Um, mm-hmm. So that has been an absolute um, learning curve, particularly in the markets where um, where we've had lockdown and you've got to manage that ebb and flow of stock. And yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of pressure that comes with that final mile delivery. That's <laughs> it's been a big landing, <laughs> particularly, um, you know, with with organisations where we don't have full control. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got to influence an outcome there.
1: Yeah, that, that,
2: that would be it, a, a whole different skill set.
1: Fantastic. And Mark, as a, uh, a drone pilot now, any other skills that you've acquired?
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I think you know I've picked up a couple of extra countries. I think just to support Indonesia and Israel. Um, so it's just been sort of talking to those suppliers and and some um, guys over there in terms of um, you know from a from a stores and um, area and product and um, setting up perspectives. So that's been that's been very interesting. So I guess broadening my international horizons has been uh, has been quite interesting.
1: Fantastic. And Neil, what's your new skill?
3: Uh, getting better at the mute button as a starting point, um, even though there's been a couple of awkward pauses in this section. Um, yeah. That's okay.
1: We can get Nicholas to, to edit those out. Thank you.
3: You can just uh, cut a few frames out there for me, mate. That would be most appreciated. <laughs> um, yeah, look, um, just... I think the skill, you know, from a positive point of view and a personal point of view is just about trying to get the balance right. Like I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life over the last two years. It's just been so intense and, you know, the the amount of expectation and and the hours that we're all putting in is nothing short of amazing. And I think because you're at home and everything's so accessible, you're just very hard to find the off switch sometimes. Um
1: you and I talk regularly about how we've never been busier. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've never been in so many meetings. I've never been no. like, just been going from one thing to another to another. And you're right. Like suddenly where I would normally finish at five o'clock at night and then all of a sudden at eight o'clock I go, oh, I should have done that yeah. task and oh, I'll just do it now.
3: And everything's an emergency. <laughs> I don't know if everyone else is sensing that, but in my world, everything's an emergency. Uh, there's no uh, low-level tasks anymore um, outside of sending the odd um, dog photo to you, Nicole, on uh, Messenger. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, look, uh, I think personal growth um, has been something the last two years is just something that we've never Yeah, you could just never replicate from a personal learning and growth point of view. Um, So whilst, yes, it's been extremely difficult, um, yes, and horrendous what's happening around the world, um, as Josh said, taking on board some of the positives, I think overall we're – you know, if you if you take a step back, I think we're we're all becoming better leaders um, in our organisations, and you know, it's really stretching us um, in every direction. Things that we're really uncomfortable doing, stuff that we've never done before, new things we have to learn very quickly. Never read so much in my life um, as it relates to different, you know, um, you know, requirements that are out there. And um, I think overall, we're all we're learning. Really, you know, it's been a big two years of learnings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And lastly, guys, I want you to get your crystal balls out and tell me, we're going to play lockdown lotto. Uh, Mark, how long do you think New South Wales will stay in lockdown for?
4: Uh, End of October.
1: Okay. I'm going to hold you to this. You know that, don't you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, how long do you think, will, will we here in Melbourne, will we extend any further than the two weeks that we got yesterday?
2: I hope not. I I like to keep my predictions to sports and horse racing. (laughs) You can't predict anything with this virus, Um, but if you're pushing me to make a prediction, I'm going to be positive and say, yes, we are coming out on the second.
1: Fantastic. Neil, you cross all over the country. So when do you think New South Wales will come out of their lockdown? New South Wales and ACT?
3: I would like to think that it will be much shorter than Victoria, uh-huh. um, being in the realm of um, positivity. I think there's there, there are things that are definitely on our side this time, just obviously in relation to, you know, when, uh, I was only thinking about this, Nicole, uh, when Victoria went through this last time, there was, there was no such thing as a vaccine was developed, mm. um, you know. So there, there are things on it on our side at the moment as that, you know, the urgency around the vaccine, vaccination and and other, you know, government strategies, um, you know, increases across uh-huh. the nation. However, I, yeah, I I, I want to remain positive, but I am concerned that we we will be coming in and out of this um, for some time yet. Whether that's you know um, released and then um, snap lockdowns, I think that there's. If you just look at what's happening around the world um, and other um, parts of the world that are more advanced in relation to their rollouts of vaccine and other strategies, um, there's, there are still ongoing requirements for for um, interventions.
2: So <laughs> you know, you're not allowed to say the V word, remember? <laughs> no,
1: no, no. Speaking <laughs> <In> the, speaking of. <laughs> of snap lockdowns because I think this this uh, phrase been caught termed by or coined by uh, the Australian media or Australian politicians because I don't hear this overseas, but um, Northern Territory yesterday went into, or oh, sorry, Darwin and Catherine went into a three-day snappy. Do we think it's going to last any longer? I haven't seen the figures today.
3: Honestly, I really hope not because that that parts of those parts of Australia can be very challenging as far as support goes um, and the ability to deal with things. So I really do hope that it is a very short-term thing and and the limited exposure up there affecting those parts of Australia and particularly some of those remote communities. That's the absolute last thing we need is, you know, uh, such a a hideous virus virus. disease to get into those communities. It'd just be devastating for Australia.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's only going to be a three-day, hopefully for them. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. I did say that about Canberra too, but, um, you know, they got extended yesterday two weeks, so uh, who knows what's going on. Um, guys, thank you so much for your time today. It is a little bit crazy here in Australia at the moment, and uh, you've, uh, I appreciate that you've given up your time because I know that you're uh, three very busy men Given uh, the circumstances in the country at the moment. So, really appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Neil, Josh, or Mark, you can find them on LinkedIn or you can email them at infoprofitprotection.co. At and we'll put all the guys' contact details in the show notes. You can subscribe to this weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and there's a link to download episodes and show notes on the PPFF website. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the Profit Protection Future Forum. It is written by myself, Nicole Smith, and produced by Nicholas Lowby. We will be back next week to keep talking all things profit protection.
0: Thanks for listening to Retails, Conversations with Profit Protection. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe via iTunes iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you want to find out more about the Profit Protection Future Forum, head to profitprotection.co or find us on LinkedIn. Drop us a message on info at profitprotection.co with feedback on our show.